0: The Steve Lobby Agency presents The Christian Publishing Show, a podcast for writers who want to advance Christ's kingdom using the written word. Here's your host, Thomas Umstadt, Jr. All right, I'm here at the Southern California Christian Writers Conference, and I'm sitting with Renee Brumbaugh-Green, someone I have known for a long time. And back when we first met, you were a just-beginning writer with stars in your eyes. I was. And now you have over 30 books published, and you're a best-selling author. And so what I'd like to do is kind of share your story of how you went from a wannabe writer, you know, with aspirations to where you got now. So can I walk us through, how did you get started? How did you know you wanted to become a writer?
1: Well, I had my first uh, piece published actually when I was in the fourth grade. And it was when I had school on my birthday and I was not very happy about that. And so I wrote a kind of snarky little poem, put it on my teacher's desk. And I was usually the quiet kid. I was never that
0: So you were writing protest poetry in fourth grade?
1: I was. And so then she called me up to her desk and I thought I was in trouble. She said, this is good. I want to put it in the school newspaper. So um, it went like this. I have school on my birthday, the most important day of the year. I have school on my birthday and that's no reason to cheer. I should have my school district sued. I guess they didn't hear that I have school on my birthday, the most important day of the year. That was my first public <laughs> published piece, fourth grade. Take
0: that school district.
1: There you go. So um I always I, I always kind of wanted to be a writer, but I didn't think it was within my reach. I thought that was something that was for those special people, you know. And um actually went to college on a music scholarship. And about halfway through, I decided I would, I would rather major in English. And I always wrote. I always liked taking English classes with essay tests, because then you didn't have to really study that hard. You could just, like, r- I could write and make it sound like I knew something. But um, early on, like early in my 20s, I took a Institute of Children's Literature class that was the early version of online classes, but that was before online classes. It was through the mail,
0: they chiseled the uh, yeah. classes on stone <laughs> exactly, tablets. Exactly,
1: exactly. And I always just did that for fun. Um, but I sent out a few uh, query letters and things, and that was where you had to wait and wait and wait for the rejection to come back through the mail. And
0: You had to pay for the rejection. You did. You had to pay for the postage to get it there, and you exactly. had to pay for the re- rejection postage.
1: Exactly. So after several rejections, I just thought, you know, I was right. It's not for me. Um, I'll just keep writing. And so I wrote all the time because it's what I did. But I kept all of that in a box in my garage. And uh, fast forward years later, I was going through a really difficult time in my life. Um, but I had a friend who read some of my writing, and she was a published author. And she said, Renee, you could do this. You, could, you need to go to a, uh, the Mount Hermon Christian Writers Conference. And she actually went with me, and her name was Chip Ricks. She was in her 80s, and I was terrified, terrified. And when I got there and I saw these people with name tags on, and I had their books on my shelves at home, I thought, I am an imposter. I'm not supposed to be here. These, what am I doing here? And, um, but while I was there, I pulled out, I, I had brought a few articles just from my box in the garage, and I sold my first article to In Touch magazine, Charles Stanley.
0: So it wasn't a book. You know, the first thing you sold was an article. And I want to underline that because yeah. a lot of people, you know, it's like it's a book or nothing. It's like go big or go home. And yet often it starts with articles, it starts with blog posts, it starts with being faithful in the little things.
1: Well, it does. And while I was at the conference, couple of important things happened. I took, I ended up by accident in Kathy Ide's fiction mentoring clinic, and I didn't know what I was doing, but I had a few chapters of a book I'd written in that children's literature class I took, so I took that with me, and since I sold the article, I thought, it it gave me courage to send more things out, so I sent that book proposal to Barber Publishing, And they said, we like your writing, but we're not interested in this book. But we will keep you in mind for other projects. And I was too naive to know that that was not, I I thought they were just being nice and I would never hear from them again. The other thing that happened at that that conference is I was told if you're going to be a writer, you have to start a blog. And so I started blogging. I actually had to go home and type in what is a blog.
0: (laughs) And what year was this? some context?
1: Uh, it was probably 2007,
0: I 2007. So this is still kind of early days of blogging. Blogging, I know some of you listening, you're rolling your eyes when you hear blogs like, oh, it's such an old technology. Well, believe it or not, it used to be new and shiny. It was
1: new. <laughs> yes. I had to type in what is a blog. And I went to blogger.com, I think, and set up a blog, very basic. And I started writing little devotionals. And my mom and my cousin were reading it. And then it got too stressful to write a devotional every day because I thought, first of all, nobody wants to hear what I'm having for dinner or, you know. So I decided to make it easy on myself and just go to my favorite book of the Bible, uh, James, and start at chapter 1, verse 1. And I started blogging through. Now, the cool thing about blogging is it's a discipline. And even if you don't have a big audience, it gives you some reason to write every day. And that was very helpful. Um, and so then a few people, more people started reading it and a few more. And then somebody. And these started- are still
0: your friends, though. This is still like single yes, circle. And
1: maybe friends of friends. So that's it- a
0: big deal. The first time you get a comment from someone you don't know in real yes. life. Whoa, I've arrived. (laughs) Yes. It's rippled at least one ripple away from. Yes.
1: So that was exciting. And somebody who I did not know said you should turn these into a book. And I thought nobody's gonna want to do these. And again, I didn't I know I knew so little about the industry that I didn't know the right way to do things. But I had the Christian writers market guide, and I went through and looked at who publishes devotionals. I didn't really know. I thought, these are sort of devotionals. I didn't even know that what I was actually doing was an expository study. So I sent out a proposal to, no, a query to everybody that took devotionals. Everybody. And that was, I don't know, 12 publishers. I got two emails back that said they would like to see more. And it was Chalice Press and Discovery House. And I thought, "Oh, wow so i made I wrote a proposal and sent them back to the two those two and Discovery House rejected it, but chalice Press said, "We want to publish it and i was I didn't know what to do I didn't know how to respond. I was just in shock so um and that was within about three months of going to that first writers' conference. Now, I say that because it doesn't happen that way for most people. And I recognize that.
0: Well, and you had been writing, how many years had you been writing and putting your writings away in a
1: box? Oh, 20 years at that point.
0: So it's not like you were starting from scratch.
1: No, I had been honing my craft. I just hadn't been sending it out. So I I think that had a lot to do with it. Um, So I got that contract in August and then a little later that year I heard back from Barbara and they said we are going to start a series of mystery books for girls and uh, we don't know who is who are we don't know who the writers are going to be but it was going to have more than one writer each character would have a different writer so it was going to be 24 books six characters and one author per character and they sent this mass email out to many, many, many writers and said, this is how we want you to audition for lack of a better word. Um, we want you to write, here's the, here's the premise for the book. We want you to write chapter two, chapter two, really? I didn't know how. Why not chapter one? I have no idea. But so I wrote chapter one and then I wrote chapter two because (laughs) I didn't know how else to do it. And, um, I prayed over it and I sweated over it. And I just, I mean, I, I mean, I just obsessed over that manuscript and I sent it back. And about three months later, I got an email and said, uh, we want you to write for this series and we want you to write book one, which was a huge deal because book one is always going to be the hook.
0: Right. It sets the tone. It creates the core characters.
1: And so they said, here are our six characters. Um, which one do you want to write, which was kind of fun. Um, so that started me on the road to writing children's fiction. And so now I had a book in fiction and a book in expository Bible study, and it just went from there.
0: So, so what happened next? So you've got now these two books that come out. What, which books came after that? You know, let's, let's dig a little deeper.
1: The, I'm trying to remember I think even though the Camp Club Girls books was contracted, that series was contracted second, it, book one actually came out first. So with Chalice, it was like two years before that book came out. The other thing about Chalice, though, is they said, we want to publish this book, but we want it to be, I think, 40,000 words, and it was probably 20, and I was I, I had to scramble and figure out what in the world I was going to add, because in my mind, it was finished. <laughs> Um, so, it really was a better book when I, you know, di- when I filled it out.
0: And that's the key, I think, if you're taking blog posts and turning them into a book. One, it's mm-hmm. important to keep the blog posts up, which I know they made you take them down, which is, in my opinion, a huge mistake. And if you look at the best selling books that are based off of blogs, um, almost without exception, the blogs stay up because uh, what you ended up with. In the book was not a copy and paste of the blog. The blog was the starting point, but then you added those extra 20,000 words and that becomes the draw. Is not just the extra words, but also that complete package. And the, the metaphor I like to use when I'm debating this, because there are people who disagree with me, I'm like saying that people won't read the book because they've already read the blog. It's like saying that people won't watch the movie because they've already read the novel the movie is based on.
1: <laughs> it's like, and I think we know that now, but back when it was in such the early days of blogging, publishers didn't know,
0: and they were very intimidated by blogs. They're like, oh my gosh, if your material is available on for, for free online, why would anyone want to read your book on paper? And uh, yes, in some cases, I think publishers have, have caught up with the fact that you don't compete with blogs; they're your friends. They help you. It's just like um, record labels used to be very intimidated by radio. Like, why would anyone buy a record if they could listen on the radio for free? And then they realize, oh my goodness, radio is an amazing way to promote. Yeah, whoever's songs being played on the radio the most sells the most records. So it, it takes a while, but they eventually adopt that new technology and, and hijack it. So, so how did you be, uh, Tell us about your first best-selling book. Which so was book number one the bestseller? You instantly were successful with that first book.
1: I'm almost embarrassed to talk about this honestly. <laughs> so that Camp Club Girls series, um, it came out I think in like June. And I remember vividly, I was on I was on a mission trip with my kids, and I remember I was um, had my computer there, and somehow I had the internet, and I was checking, and one of the other writers for the uh, Camp Club Girls series was Janice Thompson, who's here at this conference, and she and I were Facebook friends, and we had you know talked virtually. At, while we were doing the, the books, the Camp Club Girls books. And I had like all of these, I, I opened up my computer and I had things like congratulations or whatever on my Facebook page. And then I had this message from Janice uh, on Facebook message. And she said, congratulations. And I said, for what? And she said, your book is on the, uh, book one is on the ECPA bestseller list. I said, Oh, that's nice. <laughs> and she said, Do you know what a big deal that is? And I said, Well, I, I didn't know. And she said, People work for years to get on that list. And, and so I feel a little guilty and like I didn't, you know, what did I do? But it was all God. And as I, I want to go back and say, I was going through a very difficult time in my life at the time. So even though my story doesn't happen that way for most people, Um, I feel like in my case, God was sort of giving me something to sort of let me know that I I mattered, that I was, you know, lifting me up out of a really hard place in my life.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about that hard place? Do you want to share anything about that?
1: I can. I will share just um, kind of skim over the top. So I was a pastor's wife for 22 years, um, and I was Renee Brumbaugh, and I'm no longer a pastor's wife. And now I'm Renee Brumball-Green. So um, I'll let everybody fill in the blanks. But I I mean, I can talk more about that. I have actually a a booklet on Kindle that you can buy uh, that talks about a little bit about not about my personal journey, but about what God taught me through my personal journey. It's called God is Divorced
0: because it, it uh, a lot of people have this view that writers once they become successful once they have a best-selling book that they're able to just focus on writing and like all of the distractions of life go away and the reality is that your life is still happening right parents are still getting sick kids are still having issues you have uh, issues with your spouse potentially and it's it you persisted in writing through yes. that time so you have these first couple of books and then you kept writing after that even with all of the chaos what was what was that like kind of writing in that dark place
1: it was an outlet it was a place where I could just sort of go and I don't know it it was it was just a it was sort of therapy for me even though I wasn't always writing about what I was going through it was a place where I could hyper focus on something that I enjoyed doing and uh, so now, I was homeschooling my kids during that time as well, and I, I'm i not necessarily a morning person, but I would get up at four and write from about four to six, four to seven. If I was really into it, I would let the kids sleep and I would keep writing. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where I got, that's when I wrote was when they were still asleep.
0: And that's a key discipline. You know, a lot of people are like, I don't know when I have time to sleep, and that is, Always a time when you're free from 4 to 6. Right? Yes. But that meant going to bed earlier, right? It meant less watching, less TV. And that's the kind of the other thing people don't really talk about. But you make sacrifices the night before. Like, what time would you be going to bed to get up at 4?
1: Well, I would go to bed. I would put the kids to bed probably about 9, 9.30. And then I would go to bed um, when they did and uh, get up. But then I would take naps, too. <laughs> So that yeah, helped.
0: Yeah. So then you went on to start your own publishing house.
1: I did. That's fast forward a yeah. long time.
0: So so you've been you're writing books. You, you write a dozen books. You're, you're writing what two or three books a year? Kind of For during a while. This time. Yeah. So so waking up at four o'clock leads to results, and those results are you end up writing a lot of books. Yes. And so uh, tell us about uh, why did you start a publishing house?
1: Well, this is after I was divorced and I was remarried, and um, we got to a point where. I think I was had had published a book and I was expecting a check and that was going to be our Christmas money. Now, if you've been in this business long, you know it's like, even if you're successful, it doesn't necessarily mean you're making big of money. You're not making a lot. So this was just going to be our Christmas money. And the check didn't come. And it didn't come and it was like January, February. And I didn't want to, you don't want to make the publisher mad and be pushy. So I kind of sent some gentle emails. Did you send this? You know, it might have gotten lost. (laughs) And um, I finally um, heard word back that there was um, one of the major Christian stores, chains, um, had gone through bankruptcy or was going through bankruptcy, and they took all of their stuff on consignment. And if they don't pay the publisher, the publisher can't pay the author. And at that point, uh, my husband and I said, Wow, people are talking about self-publishing. Maybe we should try that.
0: So, so for some historical context, this was Family Christian Stores that went out of business, which is very different than what's happening with Lifeway. So, for those of you who have been listening to us cover the closing of Lifeway, Lifeway is not going out of business, and they're paying all of their bills. They're just pivoting to becoming a church services company rather than a retail business. So, uh, but Family Christian Stores closing, like they just had no money, and and some publishers really took that hard because they had effectively loaned money to family christian stores uh, in a financial sense it wasn't actual money that they were lending but it had the same impact and yeah that was a um, financial ripple that rippled through the whole industry all you the way got, down to the authors. all the way down to the authors yes. So, did you ever get paid or did, i did get paid but it was I just a, a short-term cash flow hit yes yeah.
1: yes but at that point i thought well I'd been hearing about all these people. More and more people were self-publishing. And I told my husband, maybe I should look at that. Because who knows what's going to happen. And so my husband's a musician. And so am I. And so we started just playing around with ideas. We could have our own publishing company. We could do whatever we wanted. <laughs> we could publish music and sell our music. I mean, we were it was really more silliness than serious. We were just playing and being playful. And so we were sitting in bed in our pajamas one night. And I pl- opened up, um, started a website, you know, a free website, WordPress. And we wanted a music name because we're both musicians, and you know, it was gonna. And all the good music names in English were taken, so we started Googling like music names in other other languages. And Armonia, Armonia is Spanish for harmony. Mm. That's how we came up with the name. That's fun. So um, my son my my stepson is autistic he he's 25 and he will always um, live with someone he will never be independent and so that's something that's just in our hearts something that we have a love for well within a month of starting this little web page where we're going to publish whatever we wanted I had four different people who didn't know each other call me and say, you know, God has put you on my heart. I I have this uh, book that I feel like I'm supposed to write and I'm supposed to ask you to help me. Four people and every one of them was a parent of a child with special needs. And we already had that, you know, in our hearts. So we, one, I thought, sure, I'll help you. And then another, oh, that's an interesting coincidence. And then after four, my husband and I said, Maybe God's trying to tell us that <laughs> this is what we're supposed to do. And it's just been a delightful journey. So,
0: That's awesome. And where can people find out more about Armonia Publishing?
1: You can go to armoniapublishing.com. You can go to Amazon and just type in Armonia Publishing, and our books will come up on Amazon. Um, but we have some really good we, – we publish both fiction and nonfiction. The, the nonfiction is usually um, a parent or a sibling story. And then the the fiction, we try to include characters who um, are different than all, most people, and yet they're portrayed in a very positive, strong way. That's fun. So
0: you have special needs characters in your books. That's fun. That's fun. And where can people find out more if they want to check out your books and want to read your books? Where can people find out more about you?
1: For ReneeBrumball.com, you can go to uh, Amazon, type in Renee Brumball or Renee Brumball Green. You can find me both ways. And uh, Or you can go to my website, which is still ReneeBrumbaugh.com, which Thomas set up for me. I it's the very
0: first website I ever built back <laughs> one million years ago. And we will have uh, links uh, to those things in the show notes. And our sponsor today is the Christian Writers Market Guide, which, uh, Renee, you used. You spammed I all sure of the... Did. Uh, publishers who wrote devotionals. And if you too would like to spam all of the publishers who write devotionals, the 2019 Christian Market Guide is the way to know who they are. And it has guidelines on what they're looking for, what uh, they're not looking for, and how to pitch them in a way that gives you the best chance for success. And if, uh, we have a free class on how to use the market guide well on the ChristianWritersInstitute.com. We'll have links to that. Normally, you you would use podcast podcasts or a coupon code podcast to save 10%. But since this is free, no coupon code is needed. <laughs> uh, Renee, thank you so much for joining us today on the Christian Publishing Show.
1: Thank you, Thomas.
0: Thank you for listening to the Christian Publishing Show. For more information and to get episodes delivered to your phone automatically, visit christianpublishingshow.com.